Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. All right, let's do it. Good morning, Maya. How are you this morning? Hey there, Stoyan. I'm so excited to have a cup of coffee with you and all the friends from Europe that had already woken up. Uh, so yeah, later on, also the squad from the US will join. But yeah, let's have a morning uh, coffee together and just provide so much value to the audience. Uh, let's do that. I'll be I'll be excited to to see. So Maya, we, we met actually. Let's just give some uh, shout out to the awesome guys from Podium Conference. We had a chance to meet earlier this year when you and Anoush made the most interactive, fun, uh, useful as well. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> let's say that. it was. I think it was really, really cool uh, following how you guys did ideation and was it in Mirrorboard or some mm -hmm. of these Mural, you know, one of these platforms. And uh, I just thought it was so much fun on top of all the cool stuff you guys provide us, values and insights. And I, by the way, guys, uh, everybody who's listening, you got to go to Maya's LinkedIn profile and immediately follow her because she's having so much great content. Uh, and uh, hopefully even you can ask her a question, but she'll let us know if she's approachable and reachable later on today. Uh, but Maya, anyway, let's let's get her going. Why don't you give us a context about where are you at the moment? Where do you join us from? And I also want to go into, tell us about your childhood. Right? Like, where... <laughs> That got deep very quickly. There you go. <laughs> Productivity mastery, baby. So <laughs> tell us about your childhood, more about the, kind of the beginnings of the story. Where did you grow up and, and what were the kind of stories that brought you to who you are today? Well, I do believe that I was an obnoxious child. If you would ask my mother, she would definitely agree with that. Uh, so I like to believe that I was born as an entrepreneur, right? Ever since I was a child, I started like these ridiculous businesses, not like lemonade stand, um, but close to. So we were selling flowers. We were organizing shows for our neighborhood. Uh, we got like into all sorts of weird stuff that we could find around the house and try to resell them. Uh, so yeah, I believe that was my, my blood. Uh, uh, there is like a funny anecdote of how my mom initially understood that I'm a leader. Um, we were playing in a sandbox. We were literally playing in a sandbox. And at one moment, I suddenly got annoyed and start to tell people like, what is their role in the sand role? So I tried to organize them as I was like freaking four or something like that. They did not resist much. So my mom probably figured it out that I'm a good leader. Um, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I do believe that I grew up with these traits. Uh, the same applies for my brother. So my brother has like this awesome scale company um, they provide um, scaling services to e-commerce successful e-commerces um, and I believe that both Yure and I were raised in this entrepreneurial spirit um, I was as we discussed before we hit the record button very competitive I am still very competitive as a person and it just brings me so much joy and fun in life to be able to break the milestone to like reach more people or just like help more people to be honest because like right now uh, it's all about the impact right the value that we are providing towards the audience and it's such an important mission in my life um what was the other question though where i am from 
Yes, where, where are you from? And actually, interesting, always, like, did you grow up in Slovenia? Like, yeah. just to, for us to get a context about the, who's Maya? Yeah, <laughs> it takes me decades to figure that out myself. But yeah, in a nutshell. So um, I attended like all my schools in my native country, Slovenia. This is in Europe, uh, between Austria and Italy. Um, so yeah, I was there. Still, I was like 18 or something like that. Then I went to study in Vienna, in Shanghai. And I spent some of my adult life in the Netherlands and Belgium. Uh, so I was always very tempted to go abroad. But um I like the nature, so 60% of my country is covered by forest, and people are really nice, and here is totally safe, so um, yeah, I, I guess I'll stick around for some more time. I love that, I love that, and I just want to take the chance to say hello to some of the people who already awesome. uh, joined us, so uh, Urska is saying hello everyone, Sarah nice. is here with us saying hi, I'm really excited about this, Sarah, hello, uh, make sure guys to, if you're listening to us live, uh, yeah, we have Daniel, Great topic. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Uh, great having you on. And uh, if you guys are here with us, if you have any question, I'm super, super excited to pick Maya's brain in this please next one hour. So please, uh, if you have any question about growth mindset, growth hacking, and anything else beyond these topics, uh, feel free to, of course, keep it to the topic, most likely. So we yeah, are totally to do it. Otherwise, Tuan and I will talk about my childhood, and you don't <laughs> yes. want to go there. <laughs> Yeah, it might go too deep. So, okay, uh, Maya, what do you do these days? Uh, you are a growth hacker. You are supporting companies by leading growth workshops. But could you just give us a perspective about what you do these days and how do you do it? Oh, even better. I will give you a slice down because I just made it in the morning. Um, I'm finishing out the business year very slowly and I just like broke my revenue in 2021 into chunks, um, like different types of services that I provide for businesses also via business type. So 60% of my revenue comes from consulting work for big clients. Uh, these are the workshops. These are the trainings. These are like how to build growth teams within companies. These are the sprints. And that's the lion's share of what I'm making, uh, of how I'm spending time. The other part that I would like to develop even further is teaching. So teaching is either on spot or via online courses and cohorts and just like educational events. So that's approximately 30% of the stuff that I do and 20% of my work, I still spend time with startups, uh, doing mentorships because that's near and dear to me. This is the world that I was raised in. And to be honest, you can move stuff really quickly there. So this in a nutshell is what I do these days. Um, I am trying to put more uh, attention and more time towards creating online courses. We are just like launching a cohort, how to be a consultant in January, I reckon, with uh, one partner from the UK and one partner from Slovenia, like the local guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, life's fun. And I'm just like trying to balance like the consulting work and what I love to say product creation, but probably some of the hardcore product people would not agree with me. Right, right. Uh, and let's let's just get to the topic, uh, growth mindset and growth hacking. That's what we discussed. That will be interesting to discuss. But what is growth mindset to you? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about admitting that nobody of us knows a shit about what we are doing, right? Because work is very unpredictable and stuff that we have done in past do not necessarily apply to our future. Um, so that's why it's very, very, very important to follow the scientific method, to just like put everything as an experiment, to set up a hypothesis, to be diligent about how do you want to test it and to really reflect and to learn. And you can use it in professional as well as personal life. So uh, you can, like with this method, build any ritual you want. For example, if you would like to be 5 a.m. club, right? But you're kind of a night bird and it's very difficult to get up even at 8. You would want to set up a couple of experiments how you could achieve that. For example, go to bed at freaking 11 p.m. instead of 1 p.m. The other thing would be maybe set up five remembers on your alarm clock and eventually we would find uh, stuff that works, right? Uh, So it's all about being humble. It's all about being scientific and eager to learn and just like acknowledging that we don't know everything that the world is changing and even stuff that has been working for us well before has to be taken to another test so that in a nutshell is how i think about life and work in general yeah there was a great book uh, was it cara cara dwell called uh, mindset where she kind of elaborates a lot about what is growth mindset versus fixed mindset and as you said it's not just a, a great way to approach professional business life but it's also a way we can um, we can live better totally achieve more but also be more open-minded to what's there to come and i love that data is uh, is something that always uh, comes to mind also thinking about you and you know if somebody goes to your web page you can see how structured it is and it's <laughs> like it's probably part of who you are but uh, productivity right productivity is all about how, how can we intentionally focus on the things that matter most and spend the least resources to achieve the biggest results in the areas that matter most. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's very connected in many ways. Hey, you wanted to say something else why I stopped. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, I do think that there is like another aspect that we need to touch down mm-hmm. upon. Um, and that's like the novelty, like this flare of novelty, this fear of missing out that we everybody who is in digital has it apparently and people are just like investing way too much resources into stuff that is not even validated instead of like developing and just like doubling down on things that are already working well for them so that is like another important lesson that i'm sharing with the folks now in november and in december as the budgets are being closed so everybody now is like really big on tiktok everybody would like to do some shit with video advertising like test 200 different creatives but it's really 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 important to have a common sense and to think what works well for you and how do you want to invest stuff in your budget right because 80 percent of it should go towards optimizing things that are already and provenly working well for you especially in these times where algorithms are so messy and you need to just hold these levers of existing and predictable revenue as well right right and I think also what the, I think it's interesting for me to understand, at least from you, is the 
how important is to have a process? Because like in, in our book, Perform the Unsexy Truth About Startup Success, we, we talk in the chapter about focus and execution, about uh, one of the five villains of focus and execution, which is the shiny object syndrome. Yeah, We're talking about it. fear of uh, <laughs> missing out, right? I have so... uglier words to describe it, so that's fine. <laughs> Sure, sure. We might get there as well later in the conversation. But but the question is, how important it is for all of us leaders, business leaders, entrepreneurs that are always coming up with the idea, want to jump into it right away to, to actually have a process that they follow before we allocate resources to, to start doing something? Mm -hmm. And people fail here at like really basic stuff. So, for example, when it comes to customer research, right? Um, there are a lot of instances in my career when, for example, like conversions on e-commerce platforms were not optimal. And right now when the ad space is getting so freaking expensive, you really want to optimize the shit out of conversions because once you pay for them, you would like to make the best um, out of the investment that you made. And people are just like staring at their websites, trying to figuring out what's broken instead of like going outside, testing it with a cell phone with five different people, maybe trigger like an exit survey. So why are you leaving this website, this uh, card? Um, is the shipping too expensive? Don't you like the color? Whatever is wrong. And just like try to get some tangible evidence because the real secret is always like ask your audience, right? Especially like you and I, Stoyan, we are both content creators. And I have like probably 12 ideas of the next courses that I want to develop. But I would never, ever, ever dare to just like go and spend like 100 hours in production before the audience expressed some um, tangible interest. So it's always about like trying to find tangible data, either qualitative or quantitative, and just like find this early traction or maybe even do pre-sale before you go in and invest heavily. Uh, by the way, I'm so sorry, but I have like nine-month-old Australian shepherd and she's not extremely happy because she's in the next room. She's a little bit jealous. Is it disturbing? Uh, not me. I mean, maybe the audience can say, but I, for me, it's like, uh, you know, working from home. <laughs> that's, the, that's the reality of it. But uh, since you mentioned the audience, and I think uh, what we agreed upon is let's try and create as much uh, value for the audience that's here with us. We have a couple of questions already. Perfect. Let's just that's go nice. there. So uh, first it. one is uh, growth mindset is hacking the comfort zone. How do you make people thinking? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, a brilliant example is like growth ideation workshop, right? When you have people who are traditionally working in sales or customer support or something like that are not like traditionally involved in the innovation process of the company. So it's a beautiful ritual to just like bring the team together. Of course, you have to do a prior research, right? And usually you find some examples, some great examples of competition, then like you can fetch your own data and just like analyze what is wrong there. And uh, of course, what we already said, talk with your customers, that's extremely important. But even for the buying, it's so much more important to just like bring everybody together. So instead of like sitting down on some rainy Sunday, uh, putting like 70 ideas into the spreadsheet, try to fetch as much knowledge as you can from the company, right? So there are people who are working with customers on a daily basis, people from sales, people from customer support, even the leadership. 
Bring everybody together and I guarantee you in a matter of 15 minutes, you can generate 200 ideas. Of course, they will have to be prioritized and that's your job to help them understand how difficult is something to execute slash expensive versus like um, how much of an impact is going to have business-wise. So I do believe that like our role as growth leaders in the organization is to create a collaborative culture and making sure that this collaborative culture results in some ideas that will necessarily result in fast wins because when you start and when you are like putting resources, especially these days when companies are very stretched, like with all the what is going on in logistics and stuff like that, you need to be able to deliver wins quickly. So um, that's your job to find like the hidden gems of stuff, what is inevitably going to bring value for the business. Yeah, you know what uh, I think many people would be interested to hear is the what is the step-by-step process? You're doing a lot of these growth workshops. You're involving a lot of people from companies. But can you maybe just uh, very practically uh, lead us through the different step-by-step? Because I think it could be really relevant even for smaller teams to involve different people and kind of follow these steps. So how how would you advise people to go in terms of a process of coming up with this? Yeah, sure. Um, It all starts with defining objectives, right? So you probably have an objective which is based on your uh, funnel analysis. So if you don't have enough traffic on the website, not even like thousands per week or something like that, this is the first thing that you would probably want to explore to just like bring enough traffic to measure what happens. Um, And we defined one or two or sometimes even three objectives that are absolutely vital to achieve so that the funnel will produce better results. Um, After we do that, we sit down with a team, um, but not before we crunch some other data. Um, And I would, in fact, like to screen share if that is possible. Is it possible? Well, we have to figure it out. We can, we should be able to, to, but we... I would, I would, uh, yep, you can, you can try, go ahead. It might be a bit tricky, but hey, we're experimenting, right? (laughs) Tricky is what we do. That's our gist. Yeah, because I think it would be much easier to understand if I just show it instead of like walking you through. Um, All right. right. Let's let's give it a try. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, let's, let's do it. We're doing that live, guys. So we haven't tried that before. I'm going to take the the banner off. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now you can share a screen. Yes. There you go. Boom. Nail it. Nail it from the first shot. All righty. (laughs) So, for example, here is uh, one uh, example of such workshop, right? They had a couple of uh, different objectives. So you see here that these are like the orange post-its. So how to get like 1,000 users by the end of the um, month. Um, I didn't want to narrow down on others because that was pretty vital for them. But here you already see that before we even sat together, we did a couple of like research points. So the first one is product analytics, supremely important. We want to understand how people are interacting with the existing uh, product as it is. The second one was customer survey. Uh, so here we are interested in how do people learn about this product? Would they recommend it to their friends? What are their ideas for improvement? Stuff like that. Very typical. Uh, then we, of course, do a little bit of competitive analysis. That's inevitable because <laughs> they have been testing stuff for longer than us usually. So it's either competitors or companies that we like very 
very much. So in Europe right now, hot are Burga. Um, then we have Stronger and a couple of other ones if you're in e-commerce. But hey, I don't want to bore you with this too much. So this is like the objectives. These are like the people that participated in this workshop. Um, and we spent 15 minutes just like ideating on this one. I think that we generated over 100 ideas. Yes, that's correct. That's awesome. And um, later on, we had voting. So each team member had like five votes or something like that. And uh, most voted ideas when they're like prioritized in this very, very, very simple framework, uh, which is literally like how likely an idea is going to work and how difficult and time consuming and expensive is it to, execu um, to execute. And this is a process that usually lasts for, um, let me stop screen sharing. You can bring on the banner. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks so much. So this is usually the process. First, we sit down with the management. We try to define like objectives that are reasonable and actionable for them in the next quarter. Uh, then we prep the team. Sometimes we um, send this stuff in advance. Sometimes we do it on the spot like this presentation. Um, and then we just like get the shit done, right? Because within a couple of minutes, you could find like shitload of growth ideas and quite a lot of them that are really good so yeah in my experience this is the best way not only to generate ideas but also to get like buy-in from the team so you like to involve people from different departments uh, different part of the organizational chart like or do you usually say hey let's just bring the marketing department and no <laughs> I would never do that because I believe that uh, breakthrough, uh, breakout growth happens within multidisciplinary conditions and we need like all the different skill sets in order to achieve that. I have been doing workshops with uh, mono departments, so for the larger teams of larger companies, but usually like it's best that many different skill sets participate here because we see world differently and this diversity definitely helps when it comes to a well-rounded experimentation program. Absolutely agree with you. I think having different people, different perspectives with different uh, backgrounds, they can see different angles and come up with uh, fantastic ideas. And yeah. what's interesting is how do you create the make it a safe space so people who are not so big on an organizational chart can actually be feeling free to, to share and ex express their ideas. Mm -hmm. um, so this is like well engineered within the flow, right? We are all afraid that just like a dominant person will come and they will completely unshine, outshine everybody. It's especially problematic if they are bosses because some of the people would just like, let's get this over with. <laughs> let's agree with everything what they are saying and it shall be done. So I like to engineer quiet uh, work within the flow. So when people have the opportunity and just like the bandwidth to write stuff down, to do it like without necessarily having to speak about this. And that's extremely important. The other thing that we use on larger workshops are breakout rooms. So on Zoom, you can make them. And usually we do this iteration uh, for six people with a moderator. So the smaller the group, the more likely it is that everybody is going to be participating and feeling safer. And then eventually you just like develop this 
moderation skill set. I don't know how to call it otherwise, but you, you see the faces, you see their faces, like who's on the phone, who is has camera off or something like that. And I don't like to out people necessarily, but sometimes this is needed, right? And that makes it like a challenge to execute it in the virtual world. It's not an impossible challenge, but you just have to pay a lot of more attention who is with you because in the room you can easily see like what are they having in their hands on their tables uh, but when it comes to online participation it's getting a little bit trickier do you have to sometimes be more mindful about the leaders especially the ones that are more extroverted expressive and try to kind of tune them down a little bit so they don't bias the rest of the people so we have like this objective session before the workshop, right? And usually people who are in leadership positions at technology companies have embraced this value of encouraging and empowering the team to participate. So it never happened to me personally, but if it has happened, I would probably just like engineer more quiet space or call somebody else to participate because the magic moment happens when you have this variety of ideas, right? And it's way more than a single person could produce. So yeah, that's why I like to have it in order. But yeah, I'm, I'm not shying away from saying to somebody, all right, that's a very interesting point of view. Why don't we ask your colleague if they think mm -hmm. differently of that? Uh, you can do it politely. And I think it's a very good uh, also emphasis we can make to to the leaders out there to the entrepreneurs out there who are smart with great ideas but sometimes when we are the ones that speak first we might be biasing the rest of the team and some ideas might never come to life because people either are afraid or they get biased by our idea want to say something similar so hey uh, that's something uh, very good to to to, to look into but yeah, uh, in moderation it's called the kipo problem so highest person uh, highest paid person in the room um and yeah kipo can be pretty dangerous but luckily i'm not working with folks like that we don't have these problems love it okay next question uh coming from a linkedin user experiments are expensive due to um, unpredictability of the outcome how do you overcome this barrier um, by providing early wins with um, easier experimentation. So, for example, if you are doing A-B test in an email, that's not an expensive experiment, right? You can do it inbuilt within the software that you already have. The second example of such experiment would be like to test different creatives when it comes to Facebook advertising because you have your budget set and instead of pouring it into a single creative, you would just want to create a test um, how, which creative would perform the best and that would give you like a better buy-in to the leadership of a company to assign more budgets towards the experimentation. Sometimes things can be like really, really, really expensive. For example, we had to set up Amazon presence before we were able to do experimentation that. But I wouldn't call such projects an experimentation. I would uh, just like make sure that it is a part of a digital solutions or marketing budget because this is stuff that you don't want to have um, in your department. It's just like something that is not your direct responsibility. However, um, what happened to me once, and it was really, really, really interesting, is that within like the exit survey on a website, um, we had an option, I'd prefer to buy this product on Amazon. And I think that 40% of people selected that, right? So if you engineer such evidence you are in a much better position to negotiate for even more 
exotic, like premium more pricey stuff than if you are just like coming, hey, I read on the internet that people do that. Should we do it as well? Could you give us 5,000 euros in order to figure that out? Okay, hope uh, uh, the person who has a question, uh, let us know what you think about the answer. If you anything you want to elaborate on this, this is a discussion, ongoing discussion. We are, we are live on the stream. And love, some of you love engagement. Thank you so much for engagement. It's Thank uh, you so, so much, much guys. better because I'm otherwise, again, afraid that Stoyan will ask me weird questions about my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> we, I still might ask you some questions, but hey, let's keep on going. Uh, and we have another question coming from LinkedIn once again, and it's uh, prioritization kills sustainable innovation and development because it always leads to the fast wins. How do you identify the true diamonds in the prior list? Mm -hmm. So usually this ideation workshop is done when the company is just getting started, right? And in majority of cases where the companies don't have like millions of investments and when they are just like maybe doing a hybrid growth team, not full-time growth team, but like people from different departments assigned to the growth team for maybe like two or three hours a week, um, the system that I explained makes the most sense because if we went into building something that would take too much time, the uh, program would probably die because it wouldn't uh, produce any results before um, it's like in a, it's very gentle stage. Um, but if you are dealing with the organization that has like better buy-in, maybe some innovation center or something like that, I like to incubate those ideas there. Whereas an experiment that lasts more than eight weeks is probably inconclusive anyways. And I like other people to develop this stuff before it comes to our prioritization grounds. I'm not saying like throw away whatever is interesting. I'm just saying that uh, you should develop this further in other departments. And once it is experimentation ready, when you can measure it in like two to maximum like four weeks, in my opinion, uh, then you are up for experimentation. So not saying get rid of everything, which is not like an A-B test of an email subject. It just like do it when it's um, in the right condition, in the right stage. Otherwise, you you might use too many resources towards investing into something like which is very um how to say uncertain right and that's difficult for the buying excellent thank you so much Maya. another question is coming your direction so how companies can discover the true needs for education Oof. <laughs> okay. Should we go back to the childhood questions? No, 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 no. I never shy away from a good challenge. I love them. Um, so the first thing that is very, very, very important is to ask people what do they want, right? So there is a balance between like um, having this personal development and leader development programs within the company and then like trying to figure it out what people actually want to learn what is interesting for them. I have a lot of companies that are just like buying accesses to platforms when they have like self-cert courses. Um, in reality, nobody does shit there. So we put it in their personal KPAs that they have to do like free courses, free online programs per quarter or something like that. So that can be like easily indicated in the KPAs. Um, usually like the course selection is done in association with managers. So for example, if I work in an let's say copywriting department, would a company want to invest in me to learn data science on a job? Negotiable. 
some companies that are very progressive would, but it's better, better, better to have like curated uh, personal training programs. Uh, when it comes to education, um, there is, uh, I see there is a huge trap uh, because usually people are consuming pre-recording content, but the best stuff hides in masterminds and in cohorts and in just like in more interactive sessions, right? So it's just think about learning differently. Learning is not like you sitting down on some rainy Saturday, binge watching courses online or reading books. Learning is interacting with your colleagues from the industries, visiting conferences. It's about like establishing relationships with established experts in the field. And I think Gen Z right now, um, the new generation in the workplace is very proactively motivated to do that. They just need a little bit more of a guidance in terms of what we want to invest is in as a company for them to help to develop. Excellent. Thank you so much, Maya, for sharing. Uh, one thing that actually comes to mind uh, listening to you, probably unrelated, but before we started this uh, podcast, you shared with me that uh, you don't do paid ads, which mm -hmm. is interesting. Like you, you have different type of courses and uh, I would love to at some point also hear more about the courses, but, but, what are some of the things that really have been working for you? And, and you know, one thing that I really love about you and your approach is you always talk about, I want to provide value, not just talk about it, you actually do it. You, you focus on that, but can you can maybe share, there's a lot of people out there that never been doing anything, let's say online with content, with, with different things. And what could be some things that actually work in 2021, the end of 2021, what has been working for you? Okay, that's loaded. <laughs> Let's go with the Edo product pro first. So how do you market and monetize uh, knowledge products? So mm. something that is like an online course or an ebook or something like that. First step, very importantly, you have to nail the subject and you can only do it if you actually talk with your potential customers, right? So as you know, I do a bunch of surveys, a bunch of customer discovery interviews, and I'm testing different subjects with social media so that I see that I I systematically recognize patterns of what is going to land well. So content and audience fit is inevitable in order to sell well. Um, then I do spend like two or three hours a week uh, nurturing social media. Um, I spend the majority of my time on LinkedIn, but I'm trying to be active on Instagram as well because it's important for young audience, younger audiences. Um, so there. I usually get a lot of DMs, right? And people are just like asking me stuff. And whatever question repeats itself the most, this is an ideal point where you want to create an asset, right? When you want to write like a post on social media, record a video, do a checklist or something like that. So these are all positive signals. And why I'm not saying that I'm doing ads, at least not for the first month of my courses or something like that. Maybe that will change next week as we have Black Friday. Um, but look, you invest like approximately two or three thousand euros in production before you even make uh, euro uh, from sales, right? And that's quite diminishing if you would have to invest like another two thousand in just like testing it out advertising wise. And also when it comes to your well nurtured audiences, so people who have been worshipping your content with their attention that we are very much grateful for, uh, that can happen organically. So via social, online posts, uh, via email marketing, and this is data that you already own. So the first thing is to just like 
make the best out of that launch. And from later on, you can finance other like expensier forms of marketing. Uh, this is my preferred way how to do it, especially for the first time course creators, because I don't want you to invest like 10,000 euros into a course that uh, will prove not to sell after some crazily expensive um, video ads campaign on Facebook. So that's kind of a safety net right there. Not saying that it is a wrong approach. I'm just saying that for the majority of people, it feels better to do it um, stage by stage. What was the other question, though? So that was the... Oh, what works? <laughs> What's been working for you in terms of creating uh, engagement? And, and, and again, like mm -hmm. a lot of people listening here, this practical... Uh, nitty-gritty kind of things that you do, they, they could be really, really helpful for, for everybody to get inspired to do something maybe similar. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so when it comes to content itself, um, the majority of my content is about documenting, documenting my entrepreneurial life, my um, growth career stuff that is actually like work that I do. Uh, then people are very, very happy if I share some inspirational quotes, which I don't like to do a lot because I am considering myself as a content creator, as somebody who's more into hard and soft science. But hey, it feels nice to have 200 or 500 likes onto something. I shouldn't overuse it. So at least like what I'm aiming to do in 2022, I actually did an audit of my content because I was dealing with the positioning problem myself. So because I shared so much stuff from my online courses, uh, I just had a launch um, at the end of September. People kind of didn't know that I do high ticket consulting, right? So I hired a consultant myself to audit my online communication and presence. Um, and stuff has been like ridiculously nice. He even like defined that there are like two Mayas, a happy Maya on social media, which is very high energy and very like all around the place. And then like very focused Maya when I do consulting work and I really, 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 really work in the zone there. So uh, he said that like the main improvement for me would be to share more of like what we learn in terms of consulting and like on the larger clients and more like high level subject not necessarily this Gary V style documentation of your journey which is very nice for young people and people who maybe like some examples to share or it's impossible for for share them, but I can do better myself so uh, that in a nutshell I don't want to do TikTok uh, if you ever see me on TikTok, block me on LinkedIn uh, because I have like very limited amount of time that I can spend on social media. And I'm afraid that I will get into the Australian uh, shepherd loophole on TikTok and never get away from that. Um, but yeah, I am very, very, very intentionally trying to repurpose content as well. So, for example, from this interview that we are recording right now, I will write at least like two or three posts because this has been like one hour of investment of our time and not everybody will go through the entire material so this is how i can just like make sure that the reach of these messages that we are portraying here today will be uh bigger other than that grow your network no other way to describe it but just like if you are communicating same stuff to the same amount of people 
the results that you already know will happen. So make sure that you are growing your network as well. For example, Stoyan, you are very active on conferences. You have had like a bunch of opportunities to connect with people on conferences and reflect that on social media, on LinkedIn as well, which is brilliant. Then if you listen to podcasts, just like outreach to guests, to like whoever was on the podcast, tell them what you like, tell them what you didn't like. And these are like really, really, really simple stuff that people don't do it because they lack consistency, not because they wouldn't be smart enough to think about that themselves. And thank you so much, Maya, for sharing the fact that uh, you actually hired a, another consultant to, yeah, sure. do, to do a check on what you actually do for clients, right? Which is, which is something that, I, which is amazing, I think. And I want to praise you for that because sometimes we're so much into our own worlds that we can see some certain things we're so used to what we do. Mm -hmm. And then somebody comes in, what about this? Oh, how didn't I see it, right? Like, but but we need this external kind of perspective to, totally. to give us uh, to give us kind of the feedback. And it's so valuable. No, and I do like a bunch of other stuff. So I'm roasting uh, my business plans with my clients. That's a very common thing that I do um, every December or something like that. I'm sending people like random stuff and asking them for feedback. Uh, this is this is the gold mine of extra information that we will have because um, things get routine quite quickly right and you lose this edge and you just like feel that something is not interesting or that um, maybe it's not appropriate to say and it really helps to have an external um, perspective I very much recommend that do you you mentioned the mastermind group do you have a mastermind group uh, where you guys roast each other and give each other <laughs> kind of a, like in a way like hey you gotta you gotta do more of this you you said you want to achieve these goals and be more online and so on and need passive income but but you are still like do you have this kind of mastermind group or i do have alliances yeah, they are not public alliances, but um, it goes as far as betting with people for 500 euros that I need to pay them if I don't launch by a certain date. Uh, so we do accountability checks on each other. We do a lot of like feedback sessions on certain landing pages or certain proposals even that we are uh, sending to clients, of course, like without the client names because that sucks and this is like how you viol violate NDA. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very very important to talk with the people that are in the similar business than you are uh, because this is the knowledge that is ho the hottest right now right this is the new knowledge so nobody writes about this there are no books uh, it's just like on job experience and we're trying to make sense of it together and just maybe to add on uh, the things that you mentioned, because, you know, obviously I follow you. I'm a fan. Uh, lots of great content. <laughs> so, guys, once again, you got to check out my on on, uh, on LinkedIn. Definitely lots of uh, very value creating content and two pieces of content come to mind immediately that I thought hmm, that's so smart, but it's also value creation. One was you you made a post asking people to to ask you whatever question they have. And based mm -hmm. on that, you make some kind of pieces of content, which I thought was yes. amazing. Actually, I, I replied and I asked a question and you replied to me with a big answer, which was really, really cool. And I'm it sure you're going to pick some of those things and you create other pieces of content because more people need this, which mm -hmm. is, I think people are thinking of how do I create available content and try to come up with uh, how they look good, but nobody cares about you. Everybody cares <laughs> about, everybody cares about what's in it for me. And if you are the person that helps everybody, as, as you do, Maya, many of the things, at least when I follow. Well. Uh, and I remember you also did some kind of a, a, a like a like a feedback on LinkedIn profile. Roasting yeah, that was... kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> Which is also, 
which is also yeah, Chris Out, another guy we we, we met at least I met him at Perfect. the great yeah. guy. Um, but you know, like it's a real life example. Like you do this roasting in front of everybody, and now everybody listening and watching, they can relate and say, Oh, my LinkedIn profile also doesn't have this, right? So so these are all super practical things that you can create. Uh, which is, which I think is really, really cool. Instead of uh, today, you have to dream big, like kind of a, you know, it's good, but you know, there's so much, there's so much already this motivational content with no practical advice that it's like, okay, how about something practical that I can use tangible that I can actually apply? Yeah, sadly, own. it's still like the highest performing content, mm-hmm. um, but these are not clients for uh, you and I, Stoyan. These people want be engaging in our courses they won't be like our clients in the future so these are vanity metrics and we have to be careful um even though i'm not shying away from a good like um on in life examples myself for example check out this sweater that i'm wearing today mm-hmm. uh this is from slovenian designer maya ferme and she made like this navy style i very much like this um and she actually convinced me to buy it by doing an extraordinary awesome support on instagram so i couldn't decide which color to choose and she wrote me an essay like i kid you not like it was literally based on your skin tone da, 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 da. and i said jesus i mean nobody in ever in physical store provided me such a piece of advice of course i will buy it it's just such an awesome story about customer support i'll scrunch screenshots like the amount of analysis that she did like what would be the best color for me and it's it is just like a brilliant example of sales and how you can just like make a sales by being a decent person on instagram and playing the long game as well. <laughs> no, but like I, I think I think the whole idea about playing the long game, I think there's so, so many people that are trying to 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 sell immediately at the moment and and actually wasting a lot of time and resources and the time of other people as well of uh uh you know just just I don't know so many people LinkedIn on Instagram everywhere just like hi and then you kind of accept it and then here comes the product and the thing is like hey who are you man <laughs> like you know like like and when you start being the value creator connecting people creating value like what we do today like you, you just join and you're sharing advice uh, that you've been generating for 20 years of your life right like which is which yeah. is amazing but, but sorry, sorry to interrupt for a bit but it's also like comes with a price right so the long reign is very unscalable um and what we were discussing before like to do roasts or just like to try to provide content instead of like one-on-one messages because like the easiest thing for people is just like to write in like direct message whatever questions they have but for example today we did answer some questions and this is so much more valuable because many people can learn about that, right? And it's not like this advice that I would give one-on-one. This content has potential to reach like hundreds of people. And this is how I like to scale, uh, just like mentally, because, um, I mean, I like to help folks. It's not a problem for me. It's just like I don't want to sit half a day and answer to individual questions because reach-wise, it leads nowhere. It's just like... a not, not saying a waste of time because you can develop like marvelous relationships out of this. But hey, if there is a possibility, if there is a medium such as this stream to, for knowledge to have like better reach, um, I should take it. Absolutely. And, and talking about the question from the audience, we have another one coming in. Yay. And, uh, yay. How much time does it take to transform our organization into a flourishing digital leader? Okay, I would need some more context. So how old is the company in which like, um, 
industry do you guys work? Um, but I've seen digital transformation being done in really traditional companies. I mean, I've been working with a media company in Belgium, and it's more about the mindset of the leadership, right? So we had this awesome director who was 70. He was collecting old cars. He was a really classy gentleman, but he understood everything about digital. He was so cool. He came to our workshops, and he was just like a stud, this amazing dude that was really, really, really in it to just like transform their media house there it happened very 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 quickly on the other hand i'm dealing with some b2b companies that um, keep on convincing me that there is nothing as awesome as human contact and that we shouldn't be present on the internet that we can maybe publish a catalog of their services but we would not interact with clients on social media because um, it loses their leverage to negotiate prices individually or whatever the excuse was um, so i would say that that heavily relies on the mindset of leadership where there is a willpower and where there is commitment of organization that this is important, that this is something that will lead to the next decade or so. There you can make it relatively quicker. Um, but if like you are working with the organization that thinks that internet is evil and um, clients will get all the information and salespeople will no longer have a job, then it will be a little bit more problematic and lengthy. I uh, wish I could provide you with a better answer, but based on my experience, that's it. Right. And of course, you need more context if you want to give some kind of a more personalized advice on that. But thank you guys so much for um, posting questions in the comments. Keep on doing yes. it. There's 15 more minutes. So, so we'll make sure to cover as many as we can. And, and I have a question to you, Maya. I already kind of oh. asked you on the stream, but I think many people now, just like myself, uh, like a year ago, started this podcast, and many people mm -hmm. are getting into podcasting these days. And oh, awesome! So, so what what do you think? Uh, like, what do you think would be some initial intuitive ideas from your side? From like, how could somebody really ten x the the audience and the? Because I think many people don't have so many difficulties starting the podcast, but it's about growing the audience and engaging the audience. So, could you share? intuitively some ideas that come to mind of what can you do to actually engage and make raving fans and grow the audience of a podcast? Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny that you asked because just like today I'm recording this meta podcast so a friend of mine he has like um, Clemens Alakovic the uh, most downloaded podcast in Slovenia and I will do a Complete, uh, complementary session for a girl who wants to develop a podcast about diabetes and uh, she prepared like 50 questions for us so we said hey why don't we record your first episode instead of <laughs> answering you in the documents so we are doing that in the evening and uh, the first thing before you even get started so that's my um, point is to make sure that you have at least five ideas for the episode and at least like three guests confirmed I wouldn't even go public before before I had a backlog of three to five episodes because I don't want to record one and then like next week, maybe I don't feel like it after I already announced that I have this exciting podcast on. So for the first 
100 followers or something like that, you will just like come from your individual uh, network, right? Uh, what works great for me is to share it in some selected groups. So groups have been wonderful and also to feature it in some newsletter that always helps. I am encouraging all my guests to actively participate and make sure that they share it themselves as well. Um, I am having some help with the Instagram profile for my podcast. Um, so um, I start the design. It's so obvious and like the stuff that comes out of my Canva is hideous and you don't want to see it so there is like this awesome person who helps me out with this one and things have gone much better since we invest more into the beauty and authenticity of visuals so that helps as well uh, but Nevertheless, it's all about the interactions, right? So I take a lot of guest nominations from uh, my podcast listeners. I ask them how do they feel about certain episode. If they share a certain episode, I thank them for that. And I just want to make sure that we have like this um, double-edged connections, right? Um, of course, it helps if you have some partnerships, either media partnerships so that the media is writing about your podcasts or partnerships as sponsors or supporters of podcasts, because then you can have like an additional reach um, from what you are making. But I'm not into these downloads and metrics and whatnots. Um, when it comes to my podcast, the only, only, only metric that I observe is like the number of audience. So I'm interested in people who are with us. It's like weekly active users, right? Almost. Um, so I am interested in how many people trust us, their time, their energy um, to just like learn with us that's important for me that people learn with us um and of course not all the subjects are going to be interesting for everybody that's normal right but just like yesterday a business partner of mine said that he listened to a linkedin episode that we recorded back in april and that by now he's really convinced that he will do it as well <laughs> so consider as your content always as evergreen so it's not about just like this week as you are launching but you can refer to it back and back you can send it to people who are asking you questions you can just like recycle some pieces just like this morning i thought about my interview with sean ellis and i felt inspired to write a post about that right because it was such a huge milestone in my life to have a chance to interview my role model so there is a bunch of things that you can do with this content and don't think of it as a perishable content make sure that you have evergreen content and that will serve you for years to come because you are literally creating learning resources love it some really really great ideas or uh, post sponsor button on facebook and instagram <laughs> have you have you tried that like that's actually interesting i haven't haven't gone to with, with this podcast i haven't done uh, paid yet like we've done a lot of uh, as you probably have seen on linkedin on instagram even tiktok we're doing lots of repurposing on uh, small bits and pieces of the content sometimes some quotes from the and people kind of like it like we also saw that when we're posting a quote with the face of somebody from the guests that their network of course relate to it because many of these people they're not uh, public people Our they might visuals, be yeah yeah, so, so visuals, that's definitely been working. Sharing these snippets with our guests so they can share with their audiences also have been, you know, when they share, some of their guests are following and so on. Um, you know, recreating a blog post or like a post article or those, like, so a lot of pre-purposing. But what I think we haven't been doing yet uh, is one, the paid and trying out and seeing, hey, what if 
we do and and i haven't tested anything so i can't really even speak about it like is it like um swipe up stories on instagram or like facebook ads with the you know like a video and and, and click to like i don't know like there could be some so many things with paid but i'm just wondering uh, from your what do you think like do you think paid would work also for these kind of things so I don't want to do it for um, the free content that we create. It's just like my philosophy that I don't care about how many people see it as long as the right people see it. And I do have like this healthy following and like partnerships that um, give me like a sizable audience without having to rely on paid. But when it comes to like sponsored episodes or when I'm working with this uh, with companies like for their blog posts or even their own episode, we are utilizing that and reach wise and click wise. It's much, 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 much better. But I haven't been able to measure the conversions towards like regular listeners yet. I mean, you can see the spike for for a certain episode, but I was a little bit underwhelmed of how well, meaning how badly it converts to a long time listener. So if you are like very fond of a certain episode, if you think that you have a superstar that it would nurture the audience awesomely the best, but um, I wouldn't expect more than like 10% of the audience activation towards becoming your regular followers. I did have like such bumps um, and such spikes when people um, who are like legitimately famous on Instagram were podcast guests. So that has been resulting like once from one story, um, we got like 100 likes, uh, which was crazy, like profile followers that was. And it's really like the gravity of the guest certainly outbeats whatever I could do paid wise in my opinion based on my experiences and, and, and thanks for mentioning this because sometimes you have some super super credible guests with no digital presence at all and uh-huh. and it's like I had this super famous person why why didn't it convert in anything but as opposed to having somebody that's like a niche influencer but they yeah. have a lot of audience in specific channels 30 to like... 50k on Instagram that translates beautifully into the audience right Awesome. How do you lend these people? Like, do you, do you, when you, when you're inviting guests to your podcast, do you think about their reach? And like, are you more focused on what is the kind of content then provide? What's their credibility or what's their reach? Yeah. So that's a very good question because, um, I am known to just like disrupt recordings if um, I don't think that they are doing well. I have been recording with people for free time sometimes in order to get a decent episode. So when it comes to like the quality, I, don't think that my audience would appreciate if uh, we would compromise on that. So for that, I'm extremely diligent. Um, When it comes to like celebrity guests, I like them. I mean, they are very nice public speakers usually, uh, but I like to discover like a new angle with them, right? So that I don't have the same content as everybody else because these are popular names and everybody wants them. So like the same with me. A couple of days ago, I was talking about personal branding. Today, we are talking about everything else but personal branding. (laughs) We're having these awesome questions coming in, which is awesome. Hope we could get another one before we finish. Um, Fingers crossed. But yeah, um, my point is that uh, there should be a balance, right? So I'm not aiming towards just like piggybacking on other people's audiences. I like to see the podcast platform as also like this uh, stage when people can show their science, their thoughts for the very first time. And I like to keep these options open. Just today, after we record this stream, I'm recording with 
Andrzej, Andrei, who will be premiering his subject about positioning on our podcast. And that's a very great pleasure for me. Um, but yeah, when it comes to experienced professionals, I like to make it very engaging for the community so that they can ask questions, that they feel that they are co-creating the episode. And um, that's kind of my editorial strategy. Um, it's more of a decision than um, just like a chase for the bigger metrics or something. Love it. Thank you so much, Maya, for, for sharing this. And, and we definitely have to do a episode two uh, at some point, have our coffee together. And uh, obviously, there's so much things I want to ask you, uh, but but also uh, we haven't explored in detail your childhood. So, of course, we need to <laughs> come back. Creepy. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, you, you ask for it. There is a question. So, hey, there's let, let's take a question, a final question then. Awesome. Uh, because I want to respect your time. Ooh. So what what could be an activity to do with the audience of this podcast? Awesome. Awesome question. Thank you so much. Um, so usually I'm doing an announcement whenever I have a very knowledgeable guest um, and I do it in our online community, either like Growth Hacking Slovenia or like on Endenesianza Instagram profile, or I just text a couple of uh, audience members that I know if they have some good questions and I give them shout outs that these are their questions, right? So either I pre-announce it in an online group, I reach out to people individually who I know that are in the field and could make better questions than I do. For example, I had like um, episode with a lady who is like has a really famous store for the plants here and I don't know shit about plants. I know everything about dogs but of course I followed up with two friends that are extremely capable and extremely interested in that spiel because otherwise... I don't know, I would probably get something basic out of them. But then it was brilliant. And the third thing that is really, really, really important is just like to keep the conversation flowing. Sometimes people are even sending me bad stuff that they expected way more out of a certain guest and that they didn't provide such a good value, that they didn't enjoy the content that much. And these are the questions to consider as well. So I'm just like interacting with them very, very, very logically. Um, same as we are doing today with Stoyan. So you have the platform to ask questions live. I would love to test another format though um i would invite audience to send me their audio questions and i would um l answer them on mm -hmm. air uh which would be very interesting and i'm obsessed with dave ramsey so this is the financial consultant from the us one of the most listened podcasts on this planet and he has live calls i'm nowhere near to doing live calls because <laughs> i'm not that experienced yet but hey that would be my ultimate dream Love it. Love it, Maya. So uh, to, again, to respect your time, thank you so much. I mean, honestly, so much, so, said, so much value. And, and, and Maya, I want to give you here the space to, first of all, you didn't share the name of your podcast. Is it in English? No. <laughs> in it English, I'm co-recording Product-Led, uh, Product-Led podcast, uh, which is very nice. Um, I hope to do more of those episodes. But in Slovenian, there I am recording twice a week now. Um, but yeah. This is, this is please, not for international let audience. Know, let us know and also for the audience, where, where could they find you, follow you, uh, and what are some of the latest kind of courses they can get into and kind of learn more about uh, some of the topics that you teach? 
Yeah, cool. So I pretty much finished all the consulting contracts for this year, uh, which I'm very happy about because I can spend a month now ideating on what the new subjects will be. As you know, I have this survey on social media, what you are interested in, and I'm looking at it on the daily level to learn more what is interesting to you, what are the problems that we can solve together. But so far, um, like one thing pop up and we have to do like a consulting cohort for the service industry, right? So how to position your service business, how to become like internationally known consultant or how to scale your existing service business to the new lengths uh, that you do something with higher value added. So this is the program that we are developing right now with my friend, Simon Belak, who used to work on Metabase and he's a great dude. I'm sure that the program will be stunning. Um, Other than that, there is always like Udemy course. This is the entry course. It costs like 10 bucks now it's black friday so maybe you can snap it even cheaper uh there will be huge discounts again so that one is pretty much a no-brainer of course 100 money back guarantee uh my latest um gem is actually the linkedin masterclass that um i recorded this year and i'm so happy about it because i literally share my entire blueprint of how to stuff on social media and business development for my service business so this is something that i like very much and people like it as well so far 350 people have have done uh, gone through the class and um, results have been amazing. I love it. Um, other than that, for next year, um, I think that I will come up with a bunch of other stuff. So I have like two cohort partnerships, one from UK, one from Canada or US. I don't remember right now. Um, but yeah, I think that I will do be doing like teaching on the smaller groups in the next year to come because I'm a little bit sick and tired of those like hey I sit in the front of computer and I talk at the blank screen without necessarily seeing how you guys are perceiving that so yeah that's my challenge for next year thank you so much Stoyan that's been fun guys guys you definitely need to go and follow my on Instagram on 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 LinkedIn uh, hopefully in the future on TikTok as well but (laughs) for now these platforms she's creating so much good stuff uh, uh, maya it's been a great pleasure it was a lot of fun uh Urska is saying thank you both i've enjoyed this so much thank you for being thank with you. us that's lovely it really means appreciate a lot. you and uh, to the rest of you people who've been listening to this podcast either live or on the podcast platforms uh, make sure to check out productivity mastery this is episode 84 but the 83 more episodes have been there so hey Go check it out if it's something for you. Maybe you want to pass on this episode to somebody else, a friend of yours that can get inspired by Maya as well. And of course, if you really, really like it, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, So that'll be very meaningful. But other than that, thank you for being with us and uh, thank you for all the great questions. It was my pleasure. Like, thanks so much to everybody who interacted. Stoyan, you're one hell of a charismatic host. Love your vibe. You kept us uh, in a good mood this morning. So good luck to your audience. Uh, Have a stellar finish of this year and keep on rocking. Good luck. Ciao. Ciao, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performance and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.